Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Chocolate MDs. So we are joined by the lovely Amy Jo MD. What's up, y'all? And Dr. Sunshine. Greetings, my good people. Unfortunately, Dr. Chris cannot be with us tonight, but you will see her again soon. Um, on that note, how was your guys' weekend? How's everything going? Can you feel the heat down in your soul? Do you know what that is a reference to? I know, yeah. That is a reference to my Miami Heat because that is our theme song. <laughs> and it's Can You Feel the Heat, Miami? My Miami Heat are going to the Eastern Conference Finals. I'm a huge sports fan. I love football and I love basketball in particular. My Miami Heat defeated the Philadelphia 76ers. And Thank there you. has been nothing that has gone on this weekend except for sports drama in the NBA playoffs. And I'm be real with y'all. I honestly don't get tied up in too much other drama. Like, I don't really watch reality TV. You know, celebrity drama is not really my thing. But I love me some sports drama i do of course you do i because i because i love sports i like competition i like the building of the legacy i like watching the legendary ones fall i like seeing the uprising of the new stars like listen i'm here for it and everything from jason tatum on the celtics this weekend my miami heat making it to the eastern conference finals is going to be heat celtics going to be a great series coming up and even like steph curry and the boys over there they advanced on the west shooting threes from like the parking lot like it's just a lot happening (laughs) And I just think it's dope. That's also a reason why I'm a little hoarse. I've been screaming for my heat this weekend. And I've just been um, really, really, you know, enjoying the drama of it all. The only thing I will say, I do feel a little sad for um, CP3, which is Chris Paul. For those that don't really follow sports like that, Chris Paul um, is a very legendary basketball player. He plays the point guard position. He's played for years. He's 37, still playing on a quest for a ring to be real. I don't think he's ever going to get one. Mm-mm. They got eliminated this weekend and an ass whooping. I should fashion. say in a, in an exceptional yeah. way. I mean, yeah. dog walk. <laughs> and then and he got whooped and he got whooped by the, by the little young man, by the way, of Luka Doncic down there in Dallas, Texas. So um, yeah. as someone that does not yeah. follow sports that much, even I know, I, I feel bad for Chris Paul. He, he's really been trying for this ring and just not, not, happening so i'm sorry i mean it speaks to how hard it is to get a ring right because you know we almost we we almost have entered into this this conversation like getting a ring if you're good it's just the rite of passage but Mm -hmm. there's lots of exceptional hall of fame basketball players that that did not get a ring when they were playing so you know we almost we almost make it sound like getting the ring is so easy but it's hard it's hard to get one ring it's definitely hard to get more than one and so I think uh you know Chris Paul is a prime example that you can be exceptional and still it's got to come together perfectly for you at the right time in the playoffs, no less, with everybody, you know, clicking and with a sprinkle of luck to actually get to the finals and then win it. That's any sport, but especially, you know, now. Right. I completely agree with Amy Joe, especially with Chris Paul, because he's been so injury prone. And there's been times where he has been in the perfect situation to make a run and possibly get a ring, but he gets injured. And that's, you know, it's just unlucky and it just sucks, whether it's a knee, a hamstring, like there's always been something that's kind of prevented Chris Paul from from getting the ring and he's tried really hard. He's changed his diet. He's changed his workout regimens. Like him and LeBron are really close. They've like changed their whole 
lifestyle to stay healthy and play, you know, for years so that they can try to achieve their goals. And, you know, it just sucks. It really just sucks for Chris Paul. Like, you know, it does. Is he, did he say he's going to continue playing after the season if he didn't get one? Yeah. Like, he said it in the post, in the post game yesterday. He's like, I'm not retiring. We'll be right back at it next year. In my head, I was like, Ooh, all right. Well, we'll see. I guess. Crazier things have happened. So, I mean, I think Brady is a prime example of that in a different sport. So I won't, I won't lecture y'all about the conferences and basketball and the level of competition, but them trying to get back next year is a, that's a tall order. So I wish him the best of luck. But um, Tom Brady's a whole nother, he's a goat, like, stop it. That man got rings on rings on rings. So, yes, the majority of my weekend was uh, spent watching basketball. And it was also my birthday this weekend on hey. Friday, Friday, Friday the 13th. You know, beep, 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 beep. so, um, yeah, my birthday was on Friday and that was really nice. I actually spent a lot of time talking to family because it's, there was a lot of things happening over the weekend. There were sports, there was my birthday. I had a beach day. And then my dad, shout out to my dad, who I'm sure does not listen to this podcast. He don't even know, my dad doesn't even know what podcasts are. <laughs> but <laughs> my dad yesterday got ordained as a deacon in our church. Oh, and deacon status. Yes, exactly. So now he's, now you can say, hey, Deke, hey, Deke, what's up? <laughs> deacon, what's up? What's up? <laughs> um, so now he's known as Deke, uh, which he's always wanted to be in the church for a long time. And he recently kind of stepped down at his job so that he had a little more free time, really? like right before retirement, you know? So he has like, I think under the year before he formally retires, but he's just like, I could take a step back, you know, use some of this time for like my family, for the church and stuff. So then he just became a deacon. Um, So I watched that whole stream yesterday. It was like two church services in one. I'm like, gosh, this is a production. I didn't know it was going to be all this. Um, So lots of family time too. So the weekend was dope. How was y'all's weekend? Pretty good. I we took a little mini trip to New York with my dad to get some stuff done. Um, you know, we stayed over in Tribeca. Um, every time I go to New York, I usually end up in like Midtown with like friends and we bar hop. But this is definitely a little bit more low key because my dad is old and he doesn't do that. So he usually like <laughs> you know, he does listen to this podcast. So he'll, he'll I'll get talked about it later, but it's fine. We usually go to like uh, museums. We went to the One World Trade Center um, and we also ate up in the observatory, which is super nice. Like just 360 degree views of like the entire city. It's it's really breathtaking. It was on a day where it was not cloudy. There's not a cloud in the sky and it was just perfect views all around. Were there, were there businesses there in the One World Center? Yeah. So on the um, like on the the um, plaza level there's like a bunch of food trucks and like uh, mm. a bunch of restaurants with like an outdoor patio type setup um it looks like they do that every like every day like they're just down there just and everyone's just chilling but there's also an entire mall that we just ended up in like i think we just missed the elevator floor and just ended up in this giant underground mall which i'm like oh that's well this is nice Yo, that's dope. <laughs> but that's dope. I only, I only say that because when I was living there probably like a decade ago, um, they were having problems trying to like recruit businesses to get, and this is when they, they had just finished it. So mm. then a lot of New Yorkers, a lot of businesses, you know, it's still, you know, that's still a really hard wound that people are trying to cope with. The fact that there's not, you know, not the original World Trade Centers. They built this one world center. It's supposed to be kind of them, you know, trying to move on, go forward, revitalize that area. And a lot of businesses weren't there yet. So I was like, I hope that over the years, this will become like a popping area because it was pretty, but there was just no businesses in there yet. No, it was you beautiful. Know? Like, and, you know, the whole exhibit within the One World Trade Center was really nice. Um, and what else did we do over there? 
And we actually saw, so they have like two big, um, I wouldn't call them reflecting pools, but they're like two giant like pits in the ground with like a beautiful waterfall, like cascades in the center. And then all the names that were, um, you know, affected during the World Trade Center were inscripted uh, on the, like the um, railing around both of the pools. And it was, it was really nice just to kind of sit there and listen to the water and then look at the names. And apparently for their birthdays, they'll put like a rose on their name. Um, and there were, there were a lot of birthdays that day. So, um, so it was really nice. Um, I miss um, New York. I wouldn't mind going back just for like a, a quick little turn up. <laughs> I mean, I'll visit, but I ain't living there because y'all, y'all expensive. No, it was, it was nice. I mean, we walked around Tribeca for, you know, like half a day and, you know, it was just nice to go look in, in you know, some of the shops and we kind of ventured over to Soho and, um, you know, super bougie stores over there too, but you know, it was a nice little weekend. Um, so it was, it was good. Well, I'm glad y'all had exciting weekends. Mine was not, not exciting, but still my wonderful fiance is moving in slowly and oh yeah these jays are about to be a problem because (laughs) there are so many of them i am staring at them right now they are taking up the entire space yours or his his right i was gonna say you need to specify i mean yeah i was like so we're looking at your addiction like you guys are marrying each other that's yeah. Excuse me. Excuse me. I feel like this is a pot calling the kettle black while no. she's approaching by his days. You know, I'm not judging. I am just acknowledging the she's jealous. That's what she is. Massive amount. Like <laughs> there are towers of them right now. So um it's it's gonna be fun. We have so much work to do. Hey, listen, uh anybody out there, if you are a professional organizer and um you are willing to take on another client, please send us an email. The chocolate MDs <laughs> at gmail.com. The chocolate MDS at gmail.com. Please send me an email. Uh, send me your business information. I will look at it. I actually tried to hire a professional organizer, but they were like, nobody was taking new clients. Like I could not even get anybody to like respond. I got one person to respond and they were like, yeah, we're booked. But you know, if you don't find anybody, you know, swing back around. I'm like, why? Because you're booked. Like you're either booked or you're not. And the other two companies, they never even answered. But I'm talking about like a true organizer, like not somebody that can come in and stack your, you know, like you see the pictures of before and after, but the after is somebody just took all of your junk and stacked it up into a neat pile and put it in the corner. Like, surprise, like, no, I can do that. <laughs> I am talking about, like, true organization um, going through, like, okay, does this make sense anymore to your home? Does it make sense to your function? Oh, you mean, like, old Marie girl Kondo. Who, wrote, who wrote the book? Yes, Marie Kondo. Well, it don't have to be looking Marie. At, Obviously, looking, she's looking. not going to come. It's not going to be filling on my um, jeans. So I said, do they make me happy? They all make me happy. So that is not going to help me. Okay. (laughs) So they made me happy when I bought them. They still make me happy. Does this bring you joy? Yeah. All those jays, they bring me joy. joy. Sparks of every time. Right. So we we are, we are a sparkly, we're a sparkly couple in this house. Um, (laughs) Drive a woman crazy. She came to the house. Like you cannot keep all of these sneakers. You need to um, find the ones that give you the most joy. Well, that'd be the end of the show. That'd be right. the end of the show. They cut and be like, shortly after the show, 
uh, he was put <laughs> oh, out. Amy, Amy Joe makes me Amy Joe makes me feel not so bad about my life because she always has like bigger problems than I have. We recently <laughs> had a discussion. We recently had a discussion about how we have too many mugs, and he was trying to force me to get rid of Yo, at least two mama. mugs. Mm-mm. And because he was like, you see the cabinet, it doesn't close anymore because you keep buying <laughs> mugs. We don't have enough space for more mugs. Every time you buy a mug, you need to throw away a mug. I'm like, no, they only sentimental value because we've re- reached we have reached our mug limit for our for for our cabinet space. We just don't have enough space for the mugs. You hang them on the wall. Oh, he refuses. Are you kidding me? Absolutely oh, really? not. Mm. Oh man, absolutely not. He was just like, we don't need to have as many mugs. He's like, of these mugs, you probably normally use like four of them. Why do we need twenty? You don't even use these mugs. And I was like, it's because they're cute. They have little sayings on them. Some were gifted to me. Like I have an emotional attachment to these mugs. And he's like, but we don't need all these mugs. I love my mugs. But you see, my point is I'd rather have a mug problem than a shoe problem. So every time I think my problems are big, Amy Joe's like, nah, but let me tell you about these shoes though. What? I feel like shoes are a bigger problem than a mug problem. I mean, that's true. Shoes will take up an entire room. So. Yeah, shoes will take up a lot of space. I'm just trying to figure out my kitchen in these mugs. You know what I mean? I'm completely opposite of both y'all. I will throw stuff out in a hot minute. But huh? there's, there's a few things. Yeah, but I you've will... been living like a nomad. Come on. Like, you've been. Ooh, I wasn't going to call her out. You know what? You know what? Let's not even. Let's not. Mm-mm. Let's not even go there. She's been living like a nomad. <laughs> like, I've uh, been throwing stuff out. Like, man, you show up. You got the. You, you know how, like, in the, in the cartoons, they had a little stick with the little. Uh, oh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey, with the little handkerchief behind him. That's that's how Dr. Nono be a racket traveling. Like, I mean, if it fits in my car, it's coming with me. So that's that's about it. If it that's doesn't fit it. in the car, that's it. She's like she's like an unreasonable minimalist, but then also bougie at the same time. I know, I it's so that weird. No, it's, it's a strange very combination. Weird she gonna she gonna have the little knapsack on the stick, but then like driving a Porsche. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. She's like, I brought my whole apartment with me in this Porsche, and it's just like, what? Is, did like, you bring nothing? Like, I, I saw that comment. I'm sorry. <laughs> that is so that's so yeah, accurate. I, I, such a minimalist but also you know i i, I mean it's, it's stuff wild. that lasts so i mean why not look you know thing i'm not what am I getting on yeah. you about a lamp something i'm like girl you need a lamp what's happening here no oh, it's in the dark what oh. i'm like this, this like this nice ass <laughs> on the early so for the viewers i just don't understand so in the early days of our podcast apparently i did not want to buy a lamp because it was I couldn't find a good one, so I just recorded it. I used the light Straight of up. my iPhone screen to like so people could see my facial reactions. But um, finally, did find a cute set from Amazon, so they are now on in my room. Well, let's do the heavier one first. Unfortunately, um, this came out uh, earlier uh, a couple weeks ago, I think the beginning of May. We officially, in the United States, surpassed 1 million COVID deaths. It's a sad number. I don't remember the last thing that killed a million people in in modern times. Um, But yes, we absolutely passed it. I think um, we're still seeing about... Um, 360, I think was the last number, 360 deaths per day for, from COVID. Um, yeah, about 360 people die every day, um, from COVID, which is, um, 
really a high casualty when you think about comparing it to influenza, pneumonias, um, all those different things. Like people are still dying at a higher rate. And I say it because um, as I'm out and about places, um, church, you know, restaurants, stuff like that, like sometimes I'm the only person in the whole building that has on a mask. Mm. And I think that was okay a few weeks ago, but I don't know about y'all. I am seeing COVID is coming back, right? So my honeymoon um, has come to an end and I'm back to taking virtual visits, you know, same day visits, squeezing in extra, you know, double booking because somebody has COVID, they're scared, you know, because they're symptomatic. So I think, you know, it's an important thing to note because I think as it's gone away, also with, also with the all the hoopla about COVID has settled in this concept that, well, if I do get COVID, it's supposed to not be a big deal. So I think the people now that are getting COVID that I end up having to take care of, they almost are panicked that they are symptomatic. They're like, I just tested positive for COVID and I'm having all these symptoms and I am you know, congested and I'm fatigued and got a headache. I mean, what do we do? And I'm thinking that's what we expect when people get COVID. But there's like this shock and awe, like not only did I get it, I am also symptomatic. So look, y'all, we just passed a million. People are still dying of COVID, not at the rate that we were before um, vaccines, not at the rate we were in 2020, but it's coming back around. And I think most physicians are seeing a bit of an uptick. We haven't gotten to those super high numbers, but um, you heard it here first, I suppose, that I am taking care of more COVID people right now. So people are getting it. So as you all head out into these summer streets, I think you should really consider mask wearing, especially if you're going to be, you know, places where there's lots of people. I would not not take my mask off. Even with the recorded cases that are um, being recorded, I think that the numbers are even higher than that because Mm -hmm. now we have more availability of like the home test. Like almost everybody I know has tests at home. So a lot of people are just testing at home and like going about it, you know, doing their own quarantine, things like that. And a lot of them aren't even coming into the office. Mm -hmm. And the numbers that are recorded by the health department is if, you know, you go to your doctor, your doctor runs a test, gets reported, that kind of thing. So I think those numbers are even higher than the reporting, but we are in the middle of a wave right now. Like there is an active wave. There's an active wave of COVID right now. And there's also a lot of other viral illnesses going around that are not COVID. Also, people are not testing. So that's another thing. Like- you know, mm-hmm. you see, like, see the patient that is like, hey, I made a same day appointment because I still feel pretty exhausted and I am super congested and I feel very sick. And you're like, well, when did your symptoms start? And they're like, mm, three weeks ago. I thought it was a sinus infection and I was just going to, you know, thug it out. But it doesn't behave like my sinus infection, right? So a lot of times, you know, one of the real common things that I hear and people are really checked in with their symptoms is when it's my sinuses, when I come in the house after being outdoors, I get a little bit of relief because I'm not being, you know, bombarded by the things that trigger it. But Mm -hmm. I noticed about two days into my illness that it didn't change whether I was inside or outside the house. And they're seeing me now sometimes three or four weeks later. And I'm like, well, did you test for COVID? And they're like, "Mm, no, I didn't. 
So some people are not even testing, even though yeah. they're not. And I do ask people like, well, why didn't you test? And it's funny because even though we had that big wave of um, Omarion, <laughs> um, <laughs> couldn't help it. When we had the big wave of Omicron, you know, what people were, the symptoms that people were having the most was coughing, really sin- like sinusitis type symptoms. Like there wasn't a whole lot of, fever or loss of taste and smell. And even though we should have known that from that big wave, what a lot of people say when they when they tell me, well, I never went and got tested. I'm like, well, why? And they're like, well, I didn't have a fever and I could taste and smell stuff. So there's a disconnect between all how all the different variants have, have gone through. Even as people watched it and it went real time, probably because nobody wants to get the diagnosis of COVID, in real time, people find ways to not test. So you're right. We are in a wave. It's probably underestimate. And a lot of people are getting sick. They're staying at home and they're just not testing, but they're kind of staying at home because they still go out. And y'all don't forget, you know, the um, the manufacturers for Pfizer and Moderna did release that, um, I believe Moderna did too, um, the six month mark. So even though you did get your booster, Six months after that, you should be getting the follow-up booster to, you know, re-up your immunity to the virus. I just got my booster two weeks ago. Super painful. The scheduling part of it was painless. My arm was sore. It's fine. Happens with the first shot. But, you know, don't forget that you still need to be getting those boosters to protect yourself from the virus. And, you know, and if you're going to be doing, you know, out in the summer and out with these people. Also, and I mean... Just kind of use common sense. If you're going indoors and, you know, the mask mandates are now up to the states, the businesses, you know, whoever wants to reinstitute, there is no rhyme and reason to mask mandates now in the U.S. It's just now you just got to use common sense. But if you're going indoors into a crowded spot, you need just bring a mask with you because that cuts down on transmission so much when you do have that. So with the vaccine, the booster and your mask should be good. Um, on to more foolish things. I guess it depends on your, you know, and I'm not going to even say that. It just, it depends on your angle. Um, last week, uh, Nick Cannon announced that he was expecting his ninth and 10th child while he's still expecting his eighth. So eight, nine and 10 are all coming now. They're all pregnant right now. Why are you, why are we, why are we, this man. Nick has got to have the magic stick. I don't even know like Wait, what else to explain. But Nick, but Nick has, but Nick has a long term girlfriend right now, right? Isn't he in like a monogamous relationship with one woman right now? While he's carrying his eighth, ninth, and tenth. What are you talking about? I, I don't know how to even answer but I, that. But I'm saying no, no, no. But I thought I read something that like yeah, like he was like casually dating all these women and it was fun and they have an agreement and whatever, whatever. But then I thought that he decided to settle down with one woman. So I'm like, this one woman can't be pregnant with triplets, right? So he's still living this polyamorous relationship then. If he's got a, a eight, a nine, and a 10, all about to pop out around the same time. Like, you know what I mean? So it just says- um, But I thought he was- I thought he was- I don't know how to say her no. name. Is expecting Nick's eighth child, according to sources, two other women, ex-girlfriend Lanisha Cole and Alyssa Scott, the mm-hmm. mom of Nick's son, Zen, who died of the brain tumor- in December, Lanisha Forty took the in- to Instagram and announced her bundle of joy. Um, I think he okay. and maybe he felt like he. Oh, I don't know. I I don't know. Like hmm. it. That's a lot of babies. 
at the same time. Well, they could be in a polyamorous, um, they could have their own like polyamory community together where they have agreements and they have a main and they have, you know, a set of rules that everybody abides by. And maybe they're just forming a big community of canon. Possibly. It's got to be, you know, something about it is working because these people are... I mean, you don't but hear about problem, any madness. But, it's all peaceful. Like they get together. So, but here's but here's the thing with polyamory, though. Polyamory, which is why I'm curious if if they're calling it that, is interesting because polyamory means that both you know both parties have the ability to be polyamorous. But that's not what this sounds like. It sounds like Nick is being polyamorous, and all of these women are focused on Nick. So, like yeah. that's that Wait, to me that, is very interesting. What's the name for that? Like the guy from Sister Wives. What is that called? I can't mm-hmm. on the tip of my tongue. Polygamy? Is that the is that the is that the proper term for but it? they but he's not married to any of them. That's yeah, that's what I'm getting at. Yeah, there is I mean, correct. I think they have to be married, like having multiple wives. Yeah, he's not married, married to any of them. That's not the same. Oh, I, uh, yeah, he's not married to any of them and they all don't have like this, you know, attachment through Yeah, I I don't know what's I don't know what Nick's doing. <laughs> but um, I I don't. I tried to make sense of it, and I and I, I hit a roadblock. I don't no, know. I think, they, I think they said in um like a news article that um his therapist actually told him that he needs to slow down. Um, because I, I mean, other than Nick's engagement with the um, uh, with that t- he's a host for a TV show like with the exes. Um, uh, it's like America's Got Talent or something like that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But like, isn't that his only gig? No, he does like, um. The MTV show, Wildin' Out, and he has his own show too. He yeah, has his own show on another network. Yeah, it's like called the show. Nick Cannon Show. He's got the oh, talk show. He's yeah. got Wildin' Out. And he's behind the scenes. Like, I think I'm not telling if if, if if the if the answer is if the answer is Nick kids. needs to slow down because he might not have any money. Then I, I disagree with that. I think Nick's finances are just fine. Um, no, I think his therapist was like you. You're you're bringing in a lot of life to this. To this world mm-hmm. but you need to be able to be present for them and if you have all these other engagements that are going on then you know how how are you going to divide your time between what you're doing for employment and taking care of 10 kids like every other um couple that had 10 kids back in the day what are you talking about whose auntie didn't I mean, have 10 kids i mean i get what i get what they're trying to say like because all these children have different there's a different parenting structure they're not mm-hmm. it's not like they're all under one roof right this is like oh i got 10 kids and they all live in this house me and my wife or me and the mother of my children so then they're, they're all different places and so that does make it challenging like how do you how are you present for all of them because if they're all located in separate places it's hard for you to be every mm-hmm. place at once but hey maybe they're gonna move on like a, some compound and you know live their best lives that's what I was thinking. I literally thought about like a Tyler Perry compound. Oh, Lord. <laughs> like a, like a, seriously. You know how Tyler Perry built those compounds where like, you know, it has like the stages where he's recording things and sleeping quarters for the actors and actresses and all the stuff. Like I was literally picturing a Nick Cannon compound. Like all y'all need to come and move with me to, I'm going to say Atlanta. <laughs> he gonna build something out in Marietta, Decatur, where it's greater, somewhere, somewhere <laughs> around there, and build a compound, and they're all just gonna be right there. They'll each have their own little, you know, spaces, and 
I mean, Listen. it works. It works. So more power to you. He gonna have a whole little football team. He can play five on five basketball. He gonna have little activities <laughs> for them to do on the compound. Listen, I'm here for it. Yo, they never seem pissed off though. Like something, Nick is Nick's got something magical going on because these are all they all yeah. are very aware that somebody else is pregnant I, and they ain't got no beef. Nick Cannon needs to take it upon himself to be more politically involved and be an activist because clearly we got a baby formula shortage. So that's the last thing that we need to be having with people like Nick Cannon out here in the world populating yeah. right. all these babies. Speaking of which, now that you say that they came to an agreement, so the um, FDA and Abbott Laboratories reached an agreement. So this is interesting, and mm-hmm. I didn't read all the details on it, but the issue is that the formula industry the manufacturing component to the formula to the formula industry has Mm -hmm. been uh on the chopping blocks and in the hot seat for a long time not just at this shortage of impurities and different things that have been found in formula so this was not the first time that they had found something it was just that it was kind of you know um violation after violation after violation all of a sudden they were like yo look you're going to shut this down I don't know exactly because I've not followed. I have not fallen in the rabbit hole. I do not know exactly how the shutdown of one or two plants led to this nationwide shortage. But this all started because the FDA finally said, you know what, you will not get yourself together and you keep having all these impurities and all these harmful products that we keep finding in your formula. We have asked you to change it. And we've been asking you to change it for years, y'all. This is not just something that just popped up in the last month. There have been issues with the formula for years. And they finally said, you know what? You leave us no choice. We're shutting you down. Uh And with that, that mixed with just raw material shortage, which is not new right now, that raw material shortage is happening on all fronts. So that with the raw material shortage, other manufacturers not being able to keep up with you know the the demand to cover um a plant that was shut down we end up in this massive um shortage and so with that it's been lots of very stressed out parents lots of very grouchy babies because all babies cannot just come out and just drink a formula some of them have milk allergies and protein allergies and different things like that and so some formulas give babies diarrhea or they make them very gassy or they get rashes or they get all these kind of things and so with the shutdown of that plant meant that a lot of your specialty formulas you know were not being made your regular your your protein free you know you got your your elemental formulas for children that have really severe allergies and so those went first right the elementals went first because they're very expensive um you know they come from specialty plants but even that went away so nobody could make enough formula to keep up and so we've got all these babies that are you know like yo where's the formula are people getting formula slowly but surely a little bit at a time but for moms who like cannot supplement with breast milk or needed special formulas they have really been I'm, they're exhausted. They got to be exhausted. They're exhausted. They're tired. And they're just trying to get through the next, you know, two, three months while the plants can turn back on. It's not even just that, because what Amy Jo was talking about, um, my cousin was actually talking to me about that a while ago. So my cousin, he's got to be maybe nine months down. No. When she first when she first had my cousin, she was talking about all the things that FDA was publishing. 
about all the impurities in the formula. So then back then she's like, well, I'm not doing any of this. And she actually gets her formula. She buys it through Amazon, but it's formula from like in Europe somewhere. And I was like, girl, what? And then she's like, yeah, because I guess depending on whatever country it is, listen, y'all, I ain't get the details, but some country in Europe, she orders this formula from, but they're very transparent about all the ingredients in the formula. And then she follows like their regulations and things because she said that things kept popping up in the US through the FDA, through all of the, you know, the major, the major manufacturers. And she's like, how am I supposed to navigate that? She's like, am I supposed to like go to my local place and check all the manufacturers? And either way, she just felt uncomfortable. So she started ordering from Europe like months ago. But then now when she goes to order it on Amazon, because now we have a shortage here, Mm -hmm. the thing that she normally orders from Europe that she's been doing for like six, seven months, Mm -hmm. prices have like skyrocketed, like skyrocketed. And she's like, okay, so now I can't even get the product that I trust from, I don't know, girl, Germany. Wherever it's from. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, why are we going through so much just for this formula? Right. It starts with the fact that America is not producing a quality product, right? Like every other country has got a quality product and America is out here producing crap for a formula and has been doing it for a long time. And the FDA has been telling them like, you need a better system. Like you've got to make it better. You've got to make it better. You've got to make it better. And then they've kind of been like, okay, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out. And it has not. And then it just kind of came to a point where they were just like, okay, look now this is, this is not okay. Because there was like, there was, I feel like maybe a year or two ago, it was like a death from, and it was like from some impurity and like, um, one of the baby formulas and oh, people don't like plastic byproducts. They found like um, you know, heavy metals, like corrosive metals. Like yeah, in the like it's products. always been something that pops up. And so, you know, um, your cousin is not wrong. So, you know, it's a problem. And I would like, it also shines a light that everybody's like, well, breastfeed. Well, listen, people, you geniuses, everybody can't breastfeed, right? Like everybody can't produce, you know, a lot of milk. So, there are some people that are not going to be good milk producers. There's some people that are going to produce milk. And you're like, how do you do it? Like they just touch the breast and it just springs like a fountain. <laughs> and there's some people that I know it's just like, ah, oh, here, milk. Shh, shh. This is what I do. This is what I do. Like, it's like a little like cartoon. But then there's some people that are like, like, there's some women that come and they're like in tears because they're like, I have done everything. I have baked these cookies. I drank this special drink. Like I did all this stuff. I put the baby on the breast. Like I am squeezing out a couple of ounces. And so um, even though, you know, we kind of use this term, you know, loosely breast is best. Sure. If you can produce it, but a fed baby is a fed baby. So mamas and daddies ain't got time to be trying to figure out how to squeeze an extra ounce from a, from a boob that ain't squeezing. So you need formula. And it's not even like, you know, like that's, that's definitely a big part, like not being able to produce milk, but also like latching, like babies that can't latch onto the breast properly. Um, You know, there's a lot of different, it was one celebrity that like wrote something really kind of off the wall about that. Like, well, don't get formula, just breastfeed, just breastfeed. I forgot her name, but um, it's not that easy. Sounds like something Summer Walker would say. Yeah. Right. Um, But yeah, it's like, it's definitely not that easy. It's like. There's, like, there's the Make issue an of organic production. solution. 
Still right. Stupid. Yeah. Just get out of here. Right. So it's it's not that simple. Right. But, um, I think celebrities can't of- talk. Right. They got they they got lactation nurses that can come in and exactly. sit with them all night. They got night nurses that can do all this kind of stuff. Like when you're tired, you got one baby on the breast, and maybe you got another one at home, and you are trying to get this this baby, especially boys. For some reason, boys latch later than girls. Don't know why, y'all. Don't don't come for me. I don't know why it's a thing. But you're trying to make this baby latch, and this little joker is out here doing everything but latching, looking up at you, <laughs> blinking, looking away, wiggling around, and you're just like, if you don't grab on here, and so you know it's hard. <laughs> it's hard, you know. Like I've never breastfed, right? But I have seen my mamas in the clinic back when we were training. A week later, mm-hmm. two weeks later, and they're like, you can have this breast and this baby for all I care because I ain't doing it. <laughs> so, you know, like it doesn't take long for the soreness to set in. Like you see these moms a week later and it's just like, I can barely touch my nipples because they hurt so bad. And it's and mm-hmm. sure it's a latch thing. Like you're trying to figure out how to get them the latch. But if you get it wrong for two days and your breasts are tender to the touch, they're cracking and they're bleeding already. And you're still trying to figure out how to produce milk. That is challenging. Like, first time mom second new mom right you know first new infant moms are exhausted and so trying to figure out how to feed a baby that is not latching yet is tough shout out to the moms that's doing it uh shout out to the moms that i've seen on facebook that are like hey i got frozen milk because i am the ever fountain of breast milk and if y'all no. need yeah. some, the, the overproducers, yeah, get the overproducers. get with me. Shout out to the overproducers. Hey, and moms, listen. If you are still breastfeeding or still pumping, pump that pump that milk. Chocolate chocolate mamas, brown mamas, pump your milk. Somebody might need it. I know mm-hmm. it's a pain in the neck, but there is a whole crisis going on. So if you are still lactating and you feel like you want to give back. Man, just just pump it and put it in the freezer because I'm sure somebody's going to come along. There's some preemies that are going to come along. There's some infants that are going to come along and they might need that milk. And there's got to be a way to make that network. You know, there's a there's a milk bank. Um, I know it's my friend had like freezers full of her breast milk. And donate it all to like the local milk bank. So we need a chocolate I would, milk bank, like for my, yeah, like actual chocolate. Chocolate milk. We oh, can call it chocolate yeah. milk. We need a chocolate milk bank. Chocolate milk. No, we gotta think Ooh. about that. Ooh, chocolate. Yeah, someone needs to trademark that. No, don't steal our stuff now. <laughs> I know you're here listening. I'm gonna be mad. I'm gonna come find you and be like, I know you was listening to this episode and you stole my. So for the main topic, we are talking about toxic work environments. Mm. Um, uh, you got my wine. I, for this one. Said you got your wine for this one. I thought oh, there was I water in there. That's why. This is water. Oh, I was about to say. <laughs> girl, this is like a one gallon jug of. Girl, I, I love it. ETs after I finish this. I can't. Yeah. So we're going to talk about toxic work environments. Uh, this is going to be one of our more like relaxed topics. Relaxed as in like, I'm not going to hit y'all with a bunch of facts or anything. So there are two reasons why I want to talk about this. Number one, um, I was watching a series on TV, which mind you, this is not the first type of the series that I've watched. So there is a series on Showtime. It's called Super Pumped. Um, and it's actually uh, the documentary or it's kind of like a mockumentary 
of um, Uber, Uber the company, mm. and the madness that happened from being in this tech company, the rise, the fall, the drama, the sexual harassment, the toxic work environment, everything about it. Listen, between Theranos, Uber, uh, WeWork, all these tech companies that have come and risen and fallen and people have just been arrested for all types of stuff, millions of dollars lost, all types of stuff. Point is, I was watching Super Pumped and there is the way that they've structured the show, they structure it so that they really highlight a lot of the bigger problems with Uber, Lyft, a lot of these companies that started in Silicon Valley. And I was like, you know what? They're really going out of their way in order to point out what it is that a toxic work environment is so that people who are watching it can be aware of when they are actually in this environment. Because some people don't know, especially younger people who are really on the grind and trying to move up the chain and trying to like form their career and get that acknowledgement from their boss and get that raise and mm, trying to live in the high rise. Like people who are really grinding in New York, San Francisco, a lot of times they're in these really toxic work environments and they don't really know. Um, me personally, I have been in toxic work environments. Actually, I've been in more than one. I've been in multiple toxic work environments. Um, but this isn't about me. I'm just saying in general. So I feel like it's important for us to talk about this because I feel like um, it's actually something that really affects people's mental health. And this also isn't just me talking off the cuff. There's an article printed by Cleveland Clinic. It came out this year. If you go to Cleveland Clinic, mental health, it actually is an article titled, because I have it in front of me, The Eight Signs of a Toxic Work Environment, which can end up affecting you emotionally, psychologically, and it affects your mental health across the board, which then affects your physical health. So we're going to talk about it. I'm cool. ready. They have a list of eight, um, eight signs that you might be in a toxic work environment. And a lot of them are really easy to, to think about. But there are three in particular that I wanted to, to really, really hit. The first one is when you're working in a work environment and the expectations of leadership are unreasonable. That's number one I want to touch on. Another one is when you find that you're having major problems with your work-life balance. And a third one that I thought was really big is when the attitude of your leadership at your job is more rooted in entitlement than gratitude towards you as the worker. So uh, before I start, have the two of you also been in toxic work environments before? Or let me ask you this. Let me not assume I know your answers. Have the two of you been in a toxic work environment and knew that it was a toxic work environment at the time? Yes. Yeah, I have. Okay. Have any of you been in a work environment that you thought was fine and then hindsight 2020, you look back at it and realize later that it was toxic? No, I generally can identify when I'm in some bullshit. Same. <laughs> I don't know right away. Be like, man, this is what this is right here. Um, okay. So I gave you the three I was going to highlight, but I'm going to list out the other five for you. So signs you're in a toxic work environment is um, if you personally feel like the values that your company is embodying or the values of your colleagues do not align with your personal values. Um, another one is if you have trouble sleeping and you can't turn your brain off at night. If all of a sudden you start a job or you get deeper into a job and you have tight muscles, joint pains, and migraines, which I think is very interesting because some people have those at baseline, but apparently that's a sign that you're in a toxic work environment. But some people have migraines at baseline. So we'll take that, we'll take that as a great song. That's fine. If you are in a work environment and you acknowledge that there are microaggressions that happen to you on a regular basis. Um, and also if you're part of a company that has a lack of enthusiasm um, for you as the worker and very little opportunity for growth and change. There's one that I want to talk about in particular, and it's going to be the one where it talks about expectations from leadership are unreasonable. And I feel like 
the reason why I really wanted to highlight this is because we're also part of a generation that's going through a pandemic, right? And during the pandemic, a lot of people have gone from working in their regular work environments to working at home. So when you are working from home and you're trying to have work-life balance, and now work has become part of your leisure, leisure has also become work. Some people have poor work-life balance and they end up in this cycle and they don't know how to get out of this cycle and they don't know how to rebalance themselves. Mm -hmm. So one thing that I really found interesting about this article is that people have said that sometimes your job will use the pandemic <laughs> as a way to get their employees to work harder. So let me let me let me let me frame it. Let me frame it for you guys. So we all went through a global pandemic, right? We all went through the pandemic. Your job is asking for everyone to have patience and there's going to be lots of abrupt changes and we all just got to go with the flow. We all just got to ride the wave, right? So the question becomes, when does riding the wave go too far and you realize that the wave that you're on is going to crash you into the beach? Does that make sense? Yeah. Because as your jobs are asking more of you and as your jobs are trying to go through their own changes, their appreciation for the employee has gone down. Mm -hmm. And what used to be like, we value you, we value your opinion. You know, now people are shifting to this point where they feel overworked underappreciated and also undercompensated. I am I am pretty lucky because in my current job, like our environment is great. My boss is great. Like my work environment is great. And I've worked, like I've had other, I have had both, right? I've had great work environments even before I came here. And I've had work environments where I'm like, this is just, this is not sustainable. And I think the reason why I tend to complain a little bit less about it is because most of the time when the work environment has been toxic or not ideal, I could count the start to finish, right? Like it wasn't like, okay, I'm here and I don't know how to get out. And so that's the thing. Mm -hmm. But I agree with you, seeing my patients, like they're coming in, they're giving all the scoop and, and it, it definitely has changed, right? Like now the stories that people are coming in with, they're like, well, um, my grandmother, you know, got sick and, and now she's died and I need to take some time off. And my boss is like, I'm too short for people for you to do that. Like, you're not going to take time off. Like, so it's, it's in a way, like when people, when you say like your, the values are not, the core values are not matching up with their experience. Sometimes it's not necessarily the CEO, like the people who have the most problems. It's all this mid-level management that are making these ridiculous calls about what the environment should be. And I get that they're trying to make their numbers, but most of the people who are having the problems is the direct report. Who's not telling anybody? They're telling their own employees, like, no, I'm not granting your FMLA and I'm not giving you that time off because I don't feel like trying to find somebody to replace you because everybody's exhausted and nobody wants to come in. So, no, I'm not giving you that. And so, the reason why we know so much about it is because then they end up in our office, like, hey, can you write me some letter? Can you write me a doctor's note? Right. They're saying, please, I got to get this time off because of XYZ. It's a mess. But yeah, it's, it's quite toxic and it's becoming worse every day. Even when I saw patients in the Bay, and the Bay in particular, it's a lot of young people with a lot of anxiety. And the things that they describe to me are not things that I experienced personally, but they all describe it the same way. And I was shocked that it's all in this article. So like even one patient, when I first started working in the Bay, they mentioned to me something called the Sunday Scaries. Hmm. I had never heard that term before. Have you guys heard the Sunday Scaries? Oh, yeah. yeah, you look dread looking forward to Monday. 
Yeah, where like it's like Sunday, usually Sunday afternoon, when they start to dread the feeling of going to work the next day, yep. they kind of get like these mini like anxiety attacks, like these little panic attacks hmm. thinking about work the next day. Yeah. And then um, my patient was describing it to me. They're like, you never heard of this? And I was just like, you know, me as a physician, I'm like, no, but I'll look it up. And I'm like, yo, it's like, you you know what I mean? But I've, I'd never, but it happens every Sunday, not even just Sundays, but days where they have work the following day. Mm -hmm. And it prevents them from going to sleep. It prevents them from relaxing. And it makes it so that they have a less productive following work day because they spent the whole night not sleeping, tossing, and turning because they have these Sunday scaries. Mm -hmm. And they're also triggered by, so a lot of my patients have anxiety too. They're like triggered by like their boss's voice or if their boss calls them. It's like these little things that kind of trigger them throughout the day, plus the Sunday scaries, plus the microaggressions at work. And you add all that up together, that's a toxic work environment because you're super high stress the entire time you're at work. When you're not at work, you're scared about going back to work. And it's like this weird cycle, you know? And then they don't know how to get out of it because either it's a job that they need because America, money, I need to make money, right? Or it's a job that they feel like they can't like, they're like, oh, I can't start looking for another job because there's not another job that'll pay me more than this one. So there's a whole balance of how much you make, how much is your cost of living, the city you're living in. And it's this weird cycle of people just tolerating being in these environments. And then they see us for the FMLA paperwork that Amy Jo was talking about. I know. And I was curious about this because I don't think being in a toxic work environment is new. I think that there have always been toxic work environments in the baby boomer generation, the Gen X generation, our generation and beyond. I think there've always been toxic work environments and there probably always will be because capitalism in America, right? Mm -hmm. So my question for you all is, do you think that it's just coming up more often because we are now in this generation of prioritizing mental health? Like, let's talk about what makes you feel bad and let's put it in a, let's put it in, you know, let's call it out. Let's name it. It's anxiety. It's depression. It's this, it's that. And I'm wondering, is that beneficial? Because we're living in this world where we're putting a name to things. Yeah. But ultimately in America, how much can it really change? Well, I think when you start putting a name to the issue, because I mean, like you said, like this has been going on for decades. This, this isn't anything new. It's just now that we've brought it more to light. And especially, especially in healthcare, like with these past two years, what this has done to our mental health and our workplace environments is mm. unparalleled. Um, you know, you have, we actually are going through a huge healthcare worker shortage um, because either of them got sick with COVID, people died from COVID, or they've just been held to impossible standards to come to their workplace that they are just like, oh, we're done, I'm done, you know, and they just get up and quit. Um, so I think, you know, to answer your question, I don't, I think putting a name to the issue, you know, like calling it a toxic work environment, you know, identifying the issues that, you know, create this environment can actually now bring about, well, how do we change it? How do we, how can we fix this to make this not an issue anymore? And I think this is where you cue in the great resignation of the 2022 or 2020, because it's been going on for a minute. Because um, yep. people are fed up. Like, you know, they realize that, you know, I don't, I don't have to sacrifice my mental health to get a paycheck. Like I can find other ways to, make money and survive in America because, you know, it, with the increasing cost of living, the food, gas, you know, medications, insurance, like all this stuff adds up. And when you kind of are in a, a job that you hate, 
um, but you're only doing it to get a paycheck like that, that really kind of that impacts your mental health over time. But when you realize that there's other solutions around that, there's other positions that, you know, prioritize your employees' mental health and they're actually, you know, have uh, solutions to make the workplace environment for you a better place, people are going to flock to those. Um, The other employers are going to hopefully realize what they did wrong, change their policies, and then hopefully, you know, we can start to see a, renaissance in how the workplace environment is structured that this i'm a i'm an optimist so this is my dream but you know it may take (laughs) may take a couple years for us to actually get to that point but i i I definitely think we're in the phase now where people are fed up with this shit they're leaving and people and now employers are like well we don't have any workers what are we going to do maybe let's start listening them for for a change and start changing our policies for the better I think that, well, I think it's a couple of things. I do think the pandemic has a little bit to do with this because people went home and they haven't come back yep. from home. And and I started asking my, my patients, like, tell me what your work hours are when you're at home. And their work hours at home versus what they would have worked in the office are very different. Some of them are two, three, four, five extra hours that they would not have worked if they had been in the brick and mortar building. So I think that, people also feel increased increased fatigue because they're working longer hours. And then what I noticed was, especially from anybody that's working in any kind of productivity kind of like environment, is that there was this push, okay, now that we're back, we need to catch up, right? Versus now that we're back, let's all go back to normal and let's proceed. But I feel like the pressure on my patients seems to be we're going to close the gap from 2020 and 2021 and we're going to make it all up and y'all are going to grind it out and we're going to do this and all this stuff. And it is driving the level of anxieties like through the roof. Um, And so I don't know where I don't know who's pushing the bosses to push that down onto the workers, but it seems to be some of the most collective toxicity, toxic moments that I have seen. And it's all the same trend. Now that we're back, we're going to make up for all the loss. And that seems to be put on the backs of, you know, the lowest of the employees. And it's just, it's impossible because they're not getting anything for all the extra hours. And so instead of clocking out at 4.15, like they used to do, they're sitting at home at their desk till five, six, seven everybody's angry. Nobody has been fed. Spouses are like, what the hell is going on? Like, this is not how we operate. And they do that for five, six, seven days a week in some case. And the only thing they get for it is, yeah, you didn't meet your goal. Um, If you continue to do this, we're going to have to let you go. And it's just like, well, they shouldn't be on the work for closing the two-year gap that happened because of a pandemic. So, Toxic environments have always been the case, but this got a little bit worse. But I do think the people are like, you know what? I don't have to, I can find something different. So I think there's also a wave of at-home employment that is just like, you're staying at home because this is just the position that we're offering and it's a, and it's a fresh start. And so I do find that people are leaving, but I think the pandemic has a lot to do with it. Yeah. I completely agree. There are certain companies too that are requiring people to come back into the office. Yeah. And my patients feel mixed about that. They're too. so stressed out. Uh, 
Yeah, they are, especially my patients of color that really don't want to go back into the office because a lot of those microaggressions that were mentioned in this article, Mm. they had the ability to avoid by being at home. Yeah. And when they're weighing the options of, do I go back into the corporate brick and mortar with the microaggressions versus staying at home, even if I work a couple of extra hours at home, they'll take the at home without the microaggressions rather than going back into the building. Yeah. Um, And I think that that's also difficult for people to navigate as well in amongst amongst the horrible housing market things that are happening right now. Because during the pandemic, a lot of people moved uh, during during the pandemic. Of course, a lot of people were like, well, if I'm going to be at home, maybe my home should be more spacious. Maybe it should be bigger. Let's buy a house. All of a sudden, housing market has gone into this weird, very expensive bubble that it's a yeah. It's it's been it's been insane. It's been utterly insane. Oh yeah. So while people have you know, so while people have like done this great migration into the burbs, now all these companies are like, oh, but we need you back in the office. And so now you know people are trying to navigate that as well. And I think that ultimately, I think we're all just trying to adjust as a people. And while we're also trying to adjust, there's also these waves of COVID that Amy Jill just got done talking about in the uh, in the trending topic. So everybody's just trying to navigate all of it together. So I think that it's I think that it's really it's really it's really difficult. What's interesting is that uh, there's a list of things here that they have for how to deal with a toxic work environment, um, which I'll highlight. So one of the things that's <laughs> that it says is that you should know when it's time to go. Mm-hmm. So basically, like when you've hit your when you've hit your limit and you're like, I really can't do this anymore. You got to know when to chuck the deuces, put your ducks in a row, start looking for another job. You got to know when it's time to go, mm-hmm. which is something Amy Jo already hit on. Um, another thing that they hit on here, which I thought was interesting, is finding a supportive network of coworkers within your um, <laughs> within your toxic work environment to help each other cope with what you're going through. Um, I don't know if that's good advice or not good advice. I feel like sometimes if you are in a toxic work environment and you find other people who are also struggling, I feel like that's like bonding through trauma. Uh, and I don't know if that's always the best, but if if that tends if that has the ability to work for you maybe that's right up your alley i don't know i've been in situations where we have bonded through trauma isn't that like residency in a nutshell (laughs) uh yes that yes what a interesting yes (laughs) i swear that's like our slogan in our little whatsapp group like we all bonded through trauma that is funny i was actually thinking about me rotating through the county hospitals in new york but yes uh when i was in chicago that yes the answer is um (laughs) yeah and then but in that case you know us bonding through that trauma was helpful for all of us to get through it you know, and we all did get through it and we finished and now we're all living our lives in our respective locations. So that is- And it has an so end yes, date. it can work. It, it, but also the difference is that has an end date. And I find myself telling people and patients this yes. all the time, like, um, leave. And I'm not saying like, oh, go tomorrow and quit your job. But I am saying, drop it in your brain to start the wheels moving to leave you simply yeah. cannot stay there um and you know everybody like I like you know and they're like crying it's not all over the place and I'm like when they get done they're like what you think and I'm like I think you need to leave like yeah it's 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 complicated in your brain because you're trying to figure out you know how you sustain a life and I get that but the action item is still very simple 
leave. And and I think that that needs to be in your brain at all times. Um, and I talk to like, you know, my mentees about this too. Like I love my job, but if I, if it came down to it and I had to leave it, then it got to go. That's how I feel. And you know, what's crazy. I thought I was the only person that felt that way. Like, I feel like when I'm really, really stressed out, like listening to other people talk about how stressed they are, especially my patients, I was like, no matter what situation I'm in, especially at a job, like an employer, I will never feel like, you know, some people are like, I feel trapped. Yeah. Like, I don't have any options and I don't know what to do. I was like, never feel you always have the option. You always have the option to leave. But I, I, but I feel that way about a lot of things, not just work. I feel like you, I feel like you always have the option to, to do what is right. best for you. But I do realize that there is a part of me that is very like, you know, I have the privilege of having the flexibility of leaving a job if I would like to. And I am aware of that because there are some people who may not have that privilege, right. depending on the neighborhood you live in, the cost of living, if you're an immigrant, Black, minority, socioeconomic status things. Right. I get it. Um, so I realized that my thought process does come from a place of privilege, but I, I always feel like that's always an option. Like I can always leave. Yeah. Like, but I think worst case scenario, I'm out. But I think I feel like one of the things that probably keeps me happy with what my work is, is that I never feel stuck. And because when you're listening to a lot of people, friends, family, patients, whatever, and you and you feel like you hear the panic and you feel the tears and like the frustration, the theme of it all is they got me. I can't get out of this and I, they're torturing me and there's nothing I can do about it because I can't leave. Some people say it, but it always the theme is that they've got me someplace that I can't do anything about. And I'm like, well, that's not true. Now I get that now, like Dr. Sunshine was saying, I can say that, you know, from a place of privilege because, you know, being a black female physician is highly marketable. But, you know, even with that, just because you're a black female physician doesn't mean that you, you know, oh, I can go anywhere and thrive. Like, that's not true. Black physicians find themselves in toxic work environments all the time, right? If you are ever in any, any physician group or anything like that, there are some people that are working in, in medicine as physicians and you're reading their stories and you're like, oh my God, like this is not, that is not what I want to do. So it is still um, very lucky to end up finding yourself working in places where you're appreciated and you're valued and people see your worth and all these things. And so I'm really excited to be where I am because I'm getting those things. But I, I probably tell myself, ironically enough, I tell myself more now than I even did in other places where I thought I wasn't as valued to say, just keep in mind that your feet are not concrete. That one of the things that keeps you free and light and enjoying this every day is that you got the option. Also, I quit jobs when I didn't have anything. So I gave up a whole career to come to medicine right? And so you kind of get into the habit of like, listen, I'm going to quit everything. And people thought I was insane. And so quitting quitting your jobs and, and moving in with people, renting out rooms, doing all this kind of stuff, and you figure out that uh, it like it's not, the end of the world didn't happen, right? 
This right. doesn't agree. The end of the world like didn't happen because I quit my job. Now I don't, I didn't have kids at the time. I didn't have a husband. I didn't have a fiance. I didn't have any of these things. And so I won't discount that when you got a family and somebody else is accounting you to feed them, it gets a little bit different. But even when I watch some people come back and they say, Hey, I quit my job and I went and did something different. Like the look on their face and the relaxation and what they say their families are not doing when they pick up that second, that new job is, is night and day difference. Please don't stay somewhere. Yep. You are not stuck. Find something. Even if you're like, I'm going to look for something and I can't quit till I find this job, then just at least go about the business of looking. Because some people get kind of yep. get like stressed into to doing nothing. They become completely immobile. There's a lot of patients that even start to feel better once they start looking at other yeah. jobs and other positions and realize that their resume or their CV is a lot more popping than they thought it was. And I was like... I told you all this stuff that you've been telling me in these appointments that you do for this company, put that on somebody's CV and float it out there. Yeah. You don't discount yourself. Like don't don't remove yourself from a position before but, you already apply for it. Because you But a lot of these jobs have them thinking that they are stuck. Yeah. And that no one else will value them or what they have to offer at any other place because, you know. Yeah, it's why sure that's like it's, a it's, that's a law somewhere. Like your employer cannot tell you that you cannot leave. Like you can leave at any point. Well, they never say you cannot leave. It's not. It's not. They, a, never, they never say, say that. that. It's a. It's a mental. It's a mental yeah. um, handcuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You just feel like you I mean, can't. but jobs. You feel like you can't. Like some jobs even make people feel like they can't even ask for a day off. Yeah. A lot of my patients don't even like asking for a day off because they're like, well, if I take a day off, like how does that look? Or they might get, or they feel like they might get replaced or they feel like, depending on what they do, like the, you know, cause patients do different things, but like <laughs> some of their jobs even shame them. Yep. Dr. Chris was here. She's the queen of taking her days off. Like she will tell you. <laughs> Like I have some people who have like that, like their bosses have told them, no, you can't take any days off because then I got to try to find somebody or you could take a day off if you can find your replacement for that day. Oh, that's the yeah. problem. You find my replacement. I'm off. Prepare the other. And some of them. But if you if you have like if you have like patients who are like lower SES who like work in factories and construction and stuff like that. It's hard for them to take a day off or they'll take a day off or even when we saw them at the county and they'd be in the hospital. Yeah. A lot of them are like, I can't stay in this hospital. If I miss too many days, they're going to replace me and I'm not going to have a job. Mm-hmm. And that's just yeah. the, that's just how it goes. And I'm like, yo, it's it's, you know, the last thing that I'll point out from this article it says you should definitely make time for yourself. Figure out your outlet, figure out something that brings you joy. Um, in the meantime, while you're trying to figure out this work environment, because ultimately what you need to do is leave, which is what Amy Joe said, and I completely co-signed. Um, so how fast you want to leave or looking for another job while you're at one, you know, do it at your own pace. A lot of people do it faster than others. But ultimately, the solution is leaving the work environment. So and that's it. So, um, all right. So this first question is congratulations to the two chocolate MDs that have become engaged in the past year. Aww. Would you ladies? Like- right. Thank you. Uh, for you too. Cause I'm not. Thank yeah. you. I'm, I'm happily. Would you ladies consider a podcast segment dedicated to dating slash advice slash experiences on the show? A black professional woman perspective is always appreciated. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Like a uh, like how we what happened like how we dated or like how do we like meet a our... like a re- 
it's, Beyonce. It sounds like a relationship. Sounds like a relationship advice column. That's what it sounds like. I know. What? Read, read that last part again. No, no. You said relationship date. What'd you say? Oh, so would you ladies consider a podcast segment dedicated to dating advice experiences on the show? Dating advice and experiences on the show. It'd be fun. But... Um. <laughs> you know, I'm. I'm always. I, I don't mind doing Dr. it. Doctor Sunshine. Doctor Sunshine says yes. I, I say don't yes. mind doing it, but I'm always like, I. I. When I read dating advice, sometimes I'm cringing and I'm like, nobody cares about what you think. So I'm always thinking like, does anybody care about like my thoughts? Sure. I, I think we no, cannot be you. so much as like heavy advice, but we can definitely have an episode where we just talk about dating from our perspectives and what we've learned along the way, what worked and what didn't work. But. But I feel you. I feel you, Amy Joe, because there is a part of me too that's always like, "Why are you asking me? What? Why do you want my perspective? What? What would I give you that? Yo, that what? What perspective do I have that you are interested in?" But I get what the person is saying because they're like the black woman professional mm-hmm. perspective. So I guess <laughs> dating as a black yeah. black professional woman. Sure, we could do it. We'll we'll do it. Oh, we'll, we will do it real soon. Okay. Second <laughs> question. Um. All right. So, hello, ladies. Recently, Kim Kardashian discussed a tomato-only diet. She started to lose 15 pounds in two weeks for the Met Gala. Have you heard of this diet, and do you have any thoughts on this for weight loss? I think throw it out your brain, burn it, <laughs> do not recommend. Grass. Do not recommend. Do not recommend. Dumbest thing ever. Do not recommend. No. So the reason I'm sure the reason why we're shooting that down immediately is because. You cannot, it's another fad diet uh, where they're only focusing on, you know, one item of the, of your nutrition and you cannot get all your daily nutrients from a tomato based diet. That's just not because where are you getting your protein, your other uh, essential nutrients, your other vitamins, your fat soluble, water soluble vitamins. You're not, you're not getting that from only eating tomatoes. So yeah, she, she may have lost 15 pounds, but that is not, we always, when we talk about diets, we talk about sustainability and that is not a diet that you can sustain for the long run. So I, the reason why I would not recommend that is just that it's just not sustainable and you're not getting your, your daily nutrients that you need from eating a tomato based diet. And you like, when you do that, you're going to be deficient in the other ones and you're going to have to find other ways to replace that. So that's, that's actually a dangerous way of dieting. And I would not recommend that at all. So don't do it. Okay. So uh, to follow us, please check out our Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. Our handle is at the chocolate MDs. Feel free to check out our website, which is www.thechocolatemds.com. And also feel free to send us more of these lovely questions to our Gmail, which is the chocolate MDS at gmail.com. And we also have a, a submit box on our website where you can submit questions through that as well everybody please stay safe um we will see you guys on the next episode yes wear your mask wear your mask